Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of our podcast. You are a fucking powerhouse. I am Lisa and I am here with my co-host. Rory. <laughs> and Rory is promising. What are you promising? I'm definitely not going to say 100% this time because the last one it was like a fucking drinking game. How many times this is it when I listen to it back? Like, oh, 100%. How many times did I say 100%? 100%. 100%. Most actually count. We should have called it 100%. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you haven't listened to the last one, you can go back and listen to it. But we had so many reshares and tags and stories and messages, so many emotional messages. So it was so lovely. And yeah, thank you all so much for joining. Okay, right. Let's just get to it. Today's podcast. Today's podcast is about my mental health journey. Now, this is something I have not spoke about. Oh, even my voice is shaking a little bit. Um, you know, on social media, publicly, I, I've chosen... I believe in talking about something when I'm out the other side of it. You know, healing is ongoing for everyone. But I believe in not sharing on a public platform when I'm in the depths of it and when I'm hurting and when it's hard because that's just not how I like to do things. Um, and so I mentioned on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago that I would, yeah, share part of my story on the podcast. So here we are, because I know this is going to help people. And I know that this would have helped me in the past if I had have listened to a podcast like this. So I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm buzzing. I'm actually buzzing for you. Okay. So this is, this podcast is going to be me speaking for the most part. And then... I'm not going to be sitting here staring at you like, <laughs> while you're talking. Like, no. I will interact with you. Like. Yeah. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to be a conversation, but obviously because it's about my mental health journey, it's, you're going to hear from me mostly. Um, so will we just get to it? Get stuck on. Where will I start? It was a rainy day in 2000 and whatever. Okay. So yeah. In, okay, this, I guess this is it. In late... 2019 something was off with me and I just became way more aware of it so this is in 2019 this is before you know 2020 obviously what you have a little time lapse there you're like hmm. um so I noticed some things so specifically I noticed that I was getting triggered a lot more I was finding it hard to block things out I was having nightmares I was having night terrors i wasn't sleeping right i was having night sweats like do you remember the sweat i'd wake up um i wasn't looking after myself as much i was getting triggered by like just just more things like people shouting in the street would make me jump um things on t- tv like anything violent on tv switch it off cannot watch loud noises was it like one too loud noises like if you dropped something in the kitchen yeah um i would have panicked like i would have thought you know i was in trouble or something something broke yeah even though you're like so calm mm. <laughs> um hypervigilant like fight or flight mode feeling like a burden to people um I didn't want to be around like drunk people even like walking down the street if I thought someone was drunk I would avoid them um you know I could be around people if they were having like like if it was my friends or if it was you having a couple of drinks but in groups I just didn't feel safe um my nervous system was totally frozen and I remember having an appointment with uh was he a chiropractor who was it Luke 
was a chiropractor. Okay. And I remember him saying about my nervous system being totally frozen. And I remember him saying to me, had I ever, he just randomly said to me, have you um ever been, have you ever started, did you ever go to therapy? I think you should really go to therapy. And I was like, how could he know this from just my body? It was actually wild. But of course I still didn't, still didn't start back then. But anyway, in late 2019, all this stuff started coming up. Um, so before this, throughout my life, I, I've always thrown myself into work. Whatever job I was in, whatever business I was in, work was my thing. Work was my distraction. Like in hindsight, it was a great distraction from myself, <laughs> a distraction from dealing with any pain or hurt or fear that I hadn't dealt with that was stored inside of me. Um, but in 2019, throwing myself into work stopped working. Suddenly, these flashbacks and sounds and visions were present while I was working. So they were interrupting the flow of work. So I wasn't able to hide from it anymore. Everything felt like it was just, you know, coming to the surface. Like stuff that I had been put away for, you know, 20 odd years was like, you know, rising to the surface. And I wasn't able to stop the flashbacks and the visions. And it was really, really hard to kind of go about my life. You know, because like I live in London, so there's noises, there's things on TV, there's people drinking, and it was just really hard. Um, so I finally said, okay, like I knew for years, like I, I've known for a long time that I therapy would benefit me, um, but I always put it off. I was always the person saying, I'm fine. I don't need help. I'm fine. I can deal with it. Oh, people have it worse it's not that bad or I should be okay. I should be quiet. I shouldn't speak about things like this. I should keep secrets. I should all, all this, all this shit. So I finally said, okay, right. I'm going to start therapy because I was so tired of all the stuff that kept coming up and I just wasn't able to function the same. So the search process, do you remember when I was, I think that I asked you, I was like, who do I go to? How do I find? I I just didn't know how to find a therapist. Yeah, I think initially, like I wanted you to be in the driver's seat with the, the selection process. So it was kind of I think in the beginning we were just looking for, you know, people that maybe had a certain type of training. But then I wanted you to entrust you with the process of finding someone. Who did you feel like you were kind of drawn there or resonated with? And I think that was an important part of it because. You did, from what I remember, you did connect initially with the first person that you... Yeah. So yeah, for anybody who, I'm sure if you just find our podcast and you've never heard of us before. So Rue, my partner, my fiance, who's here with me and is the co-host of the show, is a psychotherapist. And so, like, he cannot be my therapist. It's too close to home. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you cannot. And you at no point were... So this was all very much my, myself. This I came to this realization myself. You never... You know, anytime I would have a meltdown or I would have a moment where I was triggered I w- or I was having, when th- these things were happening, you always held space for me. You were always there to comfort me. You were always, you know, telling me things would get better and, you know, all of all of this. But you never at any point tried to, like, diagnose, diagnose or <coughs> um, use those skills in me, you know. You helped me cope, but it, it well, wasn't. Well, I also recognised as well that there was a need for you to be able to, like, fully unpack things as well. Um, yeah. Because there's obviously a new what way it was affecting you, and even if I had an inkling professionally, I would never 
Yeah. You know, I just know that you needed it. You yeah. Needed that support at that time so much. So the search process, I literally went on to Google and I just typed in therapists in London and there were like hundreds or thousands and I got so frustrated and I kept closing my laptop and leaving it and not coming back to it. So I didn't book it straight away. Um, and then I said, okay, if I search, search for a specific thing that I know is impacting me. So I searched for childhood trauma. So I searched childhood trauma and I found this place called, I believe it was called the London trauma specialists. It was London trauma specialists. And I, there was multiple therapists there. So what I did was I went to the therapist page and I looked through all the photos and I picked this girl who had this big bright smile and she looked so approachable. And I was like, I'm going to pick her. And obviously I looked at what she specialized in and she specialized in childhood trauma and different things that, and I had a feeling, like, yeah, different things that I, I kind of knew deep down was part of the problem. So I went to her and I remember the first day I walked in and I said to her, I don't want a label because deep down part of me felt like she's going to say I have PTSD and I don't want to have PTSD. I do not want the label. I am not broken. I am fine. I can sort my shit out. I'm just here to talk about things so that I feel a bit better. (laughs) Oh my God. Like it was just, I was so rigid about that. And she was so cool. She was like, yep. you don't need to have a label. I don't, I don't need to tell you a label if that's what you want and all the rest. And the first session was fine, but I remember coming home to you, coming home to Rue and saying, do you remember this? Do you remember when I came home and I was like, I feel like I need someone in like a white coat that just like holds me down and straps me to a table and <laughs> tells me. And I was, I just felt like, I almost felt worse after, not worse after the session, but I felt like it stirred up so much more stuff. And I was like, wow, there is a lot of problems here. But you can do, yeah. Because she, she validated a lot of stuff. And I was like, holy shit, like I've never. And that's something that I think just on that, you know, people might need to be aware of is sometimes things can seem to get a wee bit more difficult before it starts to get better. So just on yeah. that. I kind of felt like I was losing my mind a little bit. And because for me, I wasn't able to control, suddenly I wasn't able to control these emotions. Like all my life, I was able to suppress things and push things down and distract myself. And suddenly that wasn't working anymore. And I felt like I was losing my mind because I wasn't able to control my mind. Um, and I wasn't able to stop this stuff and to stop these feelings. And, you know, I hear something in the street, and my body jumps and I panic. And I, there's just this adrenaline flowing through me as if somebody's attacking me right in front of me. Like it felt so real in every moment that it happened. So I felt like I was losing my mind. Um, but anyway, over, you know, I went to her weekly, I'd say on average, I did three sessions a month. I usually typically miss the session a month. Um, she helped me process things. Like she helped held space for me and she worked through a lot of beliefs that I had, um, things that I had brushed off, even though I was hurt, you know, she helped kind of me feel, I don't know, validated or help me understand things better. Um, we worked a lot on boundaries as well and the shoulds that I had. And I remember at, in that year, I remember a big thing was that I really didn't want to leave London at Christmas. I really wanted, I did not want to go to Ireland that year for Christmas. And I was struggling with it so much because I had so much guilt. Like I should be back. Like I should, I should go back. What kind of person am I to not be there? But the other side of me was like, I, I need, I need space. I need time away. This is hard. I'm really hurting. There's a lot going on. And she helped me come to, she helped me just make my own decision as a grown adult what I was going to do so I stayed here that Christmas and it was the right decision for me um and Rue's so good he stayed with me as well 
didn't you? Well, naturally, I wasn't gonna, like, <laughs> I see you after, hey. Yeah. I would have stayed by myself, but I just needed that space to just get my shit together. So, let's just fast forward a bit. Is there anything within that time period with her that you want to ask well, me about? I noticed the difference in you initially. Like, I know it was a helpful process, but I felt like he's kind of got each other maybe a wee bit more energetically. It did feel like it was working on a level, but I think... My perspective of it was that these were both kind of coming to that place where you knew that there was going to need to be a specific approach or that you might need yeah. more support than what's there. And like all credit there, she acknowledged that, you know, it wasn't just a case of thinking like, you know, keeping you in therapy and not giving you the, the resources that you need. So yeah, she was very upfront and transparent and I admired that about her too. Yeah, she wanted to see me thrive and she was so, oh my God, I really just... I really actually started to enjoy my sessions with her and we had a few laughs as well. But then I was like, right, okay, I need to, I need to just actually get to it here. Um, I, and I remember saying to her, listen, about the label situation because she kind of touched on a few things and I was like, I know where she's going with this and I needed to let her know. And I said, it's okay. It's, it's okay if you need to give me a label because he knows that I just need to accept it if I want change to happen and if I want to move on. Um, but a few months passed with her and in early 2020, something happened, something came up and I just had a complete meltdown. I was so upset and I contacted her. I don't know if it was the session I had. I think I booked in like an, not an emergency session, but like a last minute session and I was a bit all over the place. Um, but then she came back to me and she told me she couldn't work with me anymore. I was so upset. She referred me to a um, clinical psychologist so she was a psychotherapist she was a she psychotherapist a few different things but she couldn't basically the reason that she had the referral is she can't provide diagnosis so that's why you were referred on yeah um, because so, there was a, a need for a specific approach yeah there was a so she needed to send me to a clinical psychologist so she gave me a recommendation and I remember being like oh my god my therapist just dumped me well can feel like that because she's had rapport and he's yeah. in a good relationship but that's her being professional and actually staying by her ethics and you know it's for your obviously for your ultimate good yeah like I knew that as well but I, I was I knew that because I wasn't I was kind of going around in circles a little bit so anyway um she referred me to this uh, clinical psychologist the one she referred me to wasn't available she was, had a waiting list and I was like no I need someone now um so I took someone else in the practice um and clinical psychologist I think we I spoke to her twice a month um and like this was all I booked this was all private so I was able to get people pretty quick because yeah. I was you know paying for it and I started with this clinical psychologist straight away so the therapist at the time did fully suspect PTSD and that's why she referred me on and so I had to be okay with taking the label for what it was so that I could step out of the denial and stop trying to be you know strong like that's not what strong looks like being in denial and not not accepting what's there in front of you um, I had to accept it if I wanted to change. Um, but with the clinical psychologist, I I don't know. I just left every single session in tears. I actually felt like things were getting worse. I thought I was get, getting better is the wrong word, but I felt like I was things were lifting um, with that area of my life. And But with the clinical psychologist, things were starting to hurt more. Like it was so clinical. It was like we were going right in circles. It was like, just stirring the stuff all the time and talking about the stuff all the time and it just wasn't really going anywhere 
I didn't want someone to just sit me down and talk about this, what had happened over all those, di- there was, I mean, there was so much stuff. It wasn't like a isolated incident. There was a lot mm. of stuff. And so going over it and over it and over it and over it, I started feeling more hurt and more pain and it wasn't getting any better. And do you remember, like you used to leave, I remember this because this lockdown had started at this point um, or maybe a month after that. And I remember like you would leave because I'd have the appointment at 10 or 11 every Tuesday or Thursday, I think it was, uh, every second week, and you would leave and go to Gales, get yourself a coffee. Um, I would go a walk, and then I would time it on the way back that before your session ended, I would pick a sup of coffee and a baguette or something. Yes, and you'd come in the door, and what would I be doing? Oh, you'd be fucked. You were just sitting, like, tears tripping you, and you were in really bad form, and, like, I had to give you a wee bit of space. Like, you would have took the guts of half an hour to come round to yourself, but, like... You were like most of the time when I came in, you were very, very visibly upset. Like, which was like hard. I was just tears were absolutely tripping me. Like even before, like before you came in the door, I I would get off the call and the tears would just be I'd be in convulsions of tears, like hysterical. Like I was absolutely hysterical, like, crying, and I was like, "This is not right." Like it, I, I didn't believe that it had to be that way. Well, it stressed me out at the fact that you know. Like, and I couldn't speculate as to what was said or what was happening, but it really kind of frustrated me that you could be left that ungrounded. Yeah, it was so ungrounded. And the you thing know. is, I mean, I'm sure, like, she... she and that's was... not that's not knocking this person, yeah. either, by the way. It's just, I feel like when you're talking about really kind of intense, traumatic scenarios, there's such an important part of the process where the person needs to be grounded because you've just unpacked a lot of heavy stuff. And even if it's just allowing for a bit of time at the conclusion, just to make sure the person's grounded and centered, I feel like it's so, so important. Yeah, like I was definitely not grounded and that's what just, it just, it was just so, it was horrible. Um, And the thing is, she was doing all the things, that, you know, that she was meant to do as a clinical psychologist. She was doing all the things, but I feel like for me, there was, there was something just wasn't right, something was missing. Um, So yeah, she diagnosed me with PTSD. So first of all, we had the consultation or we had the first call and then she diagnosed me with PTSD and she sent me out the paperwork and all the different things. And it was really hard kind of reading back over everything and stuff. But kept seeing her twice a month. And it was I, I did that until the end of summer last year. I did that for a long time. Like I was I was committed to the process. I was like, no, I'm committed to this. I'm not going to stop when it gets hard. And I stopped because I was exhausted. I was drained. Things, I just felt like the, it just wasn't helping me heal in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I remember, I remember an, an intuitive healer saying to me at the time, because I went back to someone else who I'd been seeing for a few years, who I had booked appointments with before. And she had said to me, you know, that this clinical psychologist was seeing the human side of me, but not the spirit side of me. So she was missing so much, which made so much sense. Like there was a lot... It wasn't happening like somatic work and stuff like that when it comes to trauma especially like you have to you have to help move it out of your body like we never spoke about anything like that we just used words and spoke about things that happened well i think that was something that stood out for me at the time and you know i seen this kind of shift in you in terms of being because i had tried to stay completely out of your therapeutic process i didn't like put my opinion on it all hmm. um but what i remember very clearly about that point in time was you were actively researching trauma-informed approaches. You were starting to look at other people's experiences of working through trauma and the things that they were recommending. And mm-hmm. I, I just always remember you saying, 
like why is this not happening you know why is this like why is this person not using any of these techniques or tools or you know should i ask them yeah about this approach and i just remember being really kind of impressed with the amount of kind of research and like you know that i was doing yeah that you were looking like that you were actively being proactive but it. it wasn't just that you were sitting there going off oh, focus is getting terrible and you know what do i do you were like actively checking out like what is the thing what is what do people you know, do what are people saying is their positive experience of yeah pro- un- unpacking and processing trauma so yeah i was i was doing my own research and i was focused on ways to help myself and to heal and to and to feel better i've just felt so so broken at the time and i actually remember saying to you i don't know if it was at this point or before with the first therapist but i was like why can't like because you at the time with your clients were getting all these insane results i know you don't share a lot of them online but like you you were just people were just raving about your results as a therapist and i was like why can't i have you as my therapist like why can't i find someone like you and i remember because obviously i've seen you you know do the different courses and you talk to me about things that you're learning and i'm just like amazed by it but i'm like i could see that that was possible and i wasn't getting that and that frustrated me even more because I didn't know how to find someone like that. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I stopped with the clinical psychologist. Um, and then I guess, you know, I knew something was still, like at that stage, obviously we were in lockdown as well. I had a lot of time to myself. So I was doing a lot of healing, looking after myself, self-love, self-care, a lot of self-stuff. The self-stuff is in bubble baths, but it's really deep, diving deep into the shit and, and figuring things out. Um... And also on that, it's a very difficult time. It was a very difficult time to be doing your healing journey while we were in lockdown. Just yeah. to add that. Because I had no... Because like, we were, at, we were at home a lot of the time. Yeah. Like you had a lot of time to kind of reflect on things. There was a lot of crying. Uh, there was, a, there was definitely a lot of that. Like, <laughs> like I just would get which so is upset. It's like for your partner and that, it's obviously a bit kind of upsetting as well. Because there's only so much that I'm able to do. Because it is your healing journey to at the end of the day and like i remember at the time thinking you know i remember this one really bad day i had i was like i love my life i love what i do for work i love my relationship i love where i live i can move if i didn't like it i could move somewhere else like i'm not stuck i really really love my life but i am so upset and i was just so upset it was old stuff that was just haunting me like old like things that I just felt so sad. And I remember as well being like saying to you, don't feel sorry for me. Like, I remember I had this thing. I still, I think I still have it. I was like, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I'm fine. I'll figure it out. I just had this weird, I didn't want the attention on me. I was like very much. And that's something I had to work through as well. I wasn't allowing myself to feel what I felt and I wasn't accepting it. Well, in fact, it all just really kind of came to a head, you know, when you actually couldn't really deal with, you know, because a lot of the time I knew you were mindful and not maybe saying to me in case I would have got fucking a wee bit worried or yeah you know, so like even at it. that it was in your behavior too there's a lot of times where I would have to maybe kind of stumble across you having a bad moment and I would try and cover it or up being really upset or like, like know through your body language your behavior and I'd be like right something's fucking going on but she's not going to say what it is and then about an hour an hour and a half later I would try and hide it and I wouldn't tell anyone because I'm like no I need to figure it out but anyway this was obviously I had to work on that as well because that's and I'm better now like I will just say well I mean sometimes I hold it in but I am more open with you know I won't go on like social media and be like guys I'm having a terrible day this is what's going on I really really I think my and I think for every single person or 
our own personal like that that part of my life is so sacred because to heal that like you need not everybody should get access to that and it should be on your terms like now me choosing to do this podcast is on my terms and I feel called to do it and I feel like it's the right time and I want to you know but back then not a hope that that just wasn't something I wasn't comfortable I just wasn't comfortable with it but anyway let's move on what happened then so where were we so I stopped the therapy um and I think I just kind of got on with things I started university in September didn't I? So yeah. I started my law degree. Um, and that's something that came up earlier when the PTSD diagnosis came around. It was around the same time. So all the work that was coming up led me to want to do a law degree to be able to work um, with certain people yeah. and work in the future anyway. Um, so I had distractions then. I was, you know, back, back in university and stuff. and But I still knew, you know, I had done a lot of healing with the stuff, my own research, my own stuff. Um, around the PTSD and I felt like I was getting feeling better and I felt like I was handling it better and I just felt like when I left this clinical psychologist things started to change because I was choosing change and I was looking at ways to handle it and ways to heal and all of that but then I knew okay this is part two guys um, I still knew something was off that wasn't related to PTSD mm-hmm. um, I, cho- I chose not to take any medication or anything like that for the PTSD but I, I, like, I knew something was still off that wasn't related to that because I'd done so much research and learning and I became a lot more self-aware and I was learning so much and I was like, hmm, there's still something that's not right and it's not... And I remember I was thinking like different types of anxiety and different types of... Yeah. There's a lot of different things I was kind of looking into. Um, but there's so many things that didn't make any sense. Well, there was one thing I remember... I'm not going to dive on that, but there was one thing I remember that stood out at the time and I was like, fuck, I wonder... Because it, now looking back in hindsight, it, it seemed like it was related to, you know, anxiety or whatever yeah. it was we were talking about. But then, uh, that's interesting how that all kind of unfolded. Uh, so university opened my eyes, right? Because in the classroom, right, I understood the work intellectually. I got it, right? Um, I was able to have like great, you know, critical thinking, conversational debates in the classroom. And as a lawyer, you have to be able to do the, you know, see both sides and you have to be a critical thinker. Um, I was able to learn and I was, I was getting good feedback and I was, I didn't find it, I didn't find the content hard. I was like, yeah, okay. But the deadlines, the fucking deadlines, right? Like the exam deadlines just. Do you, to, do you want to tell people what your timekeeping's like in general? Okay, well, let's. I mean, let's. We're, I'm going to get <laughs> to that, right? I'm going to get to that because this is where it started to make sense. I remember like leaving. I, I got so angry at myself because I would leave things at so last minute, you know. And I all I knew I'd get better marks if I just got the shit done when I was meant to do it. And this is something I remember from school as well. Like, oh, like she would get A's and everything if she was you know, doing what she was meant to be doing and not skipping class and focused and all of that. Um, and I always remember being like, oh, if only I didn't wait till 5 a.m. the morning off my exams when in school, then I would have done better. I did good, but, you know, it's so that's something I remember from then as well. Um, and so I kind of just didn't really do anything with that. I was just a, still a bit confused and a bit lost with it all. And fast forward to this year, 2021 I randomly saw so I saw a post about ADHD uh on I think it was Instagram and I was like oh this is interesting this this is um me (laughs) and 
I searched for a podcast. I don't know if you remember this day, but I searched for an ADHD podcast. Because like, I, I think I showed you something as well. I don't know if this was the same day or before. And it just made sense. And then I looked for an ADHD podcast. And then I went out on a run. And I listened to ADHD for Smart Ass Woman. That is the name of the podcast for anybody else who has ADHD. I remember running home and saying to you, like, Rue, this is the thing I have. Like, this is it. This is the thing. ADHD. I think the words you actually said to me were, Jesus, I, I feel really seen. Like, yeah. I feel really, really seen. I felt so seen. I got so excited because I was like, oh my God, it, like, this makes so much sense. And so, guys, like, the PTSD, that first diagnosis, um, I didn't delve into the content around that because it's very, it is hard it's it's, well, it's it, personal for it's personal it's outside the scope of what you're intending yeah to talk about. i don't need to talk about the content of why or anything like that but that was very hard it was something i didn't want to talk about i was it was very i was just i just it just hurt a lot and it still does um not as much but it's still icky for me to you know go there but adhd i was like oh, i feel so seen right this makes sense for the other things um and so I just kept listening to podcasts and looking at the fun ADHD pages online, Instagram, and I, everything, I would get so giddy because I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the thing. I feel so seen. Like I'm not, you know, bad for, I remember, do you remember this, right? I, I don't know if it was, my accountant was looking for me to finish off my uploading my receipts for him for whatever period that was due. Um, I think it was the end of 2020 or October or whatever month it was. And I also had a uni assessment due. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was different. I can't remember, but he was looking for something. And I had a university assessment due as well. And there was something else going on. And do you remember me at my desk? Oh, there was like oil parking tickets or something that was, you were... uh, Yeah, there was... There was something really, really stupid that needed to be sorted. And everybody was asking for different things. It was all peaking in that one week. And it was all small things. Like, it wasn't like, you know... And my accountant would like WhatsApp me and I was like, oh my God, just so much panic because I just felt like I had so much to do and I wasn't able to do the things. And I had a complete meltdown. And I, I actually he, like sat down. I messaged, no, I, I paid, I asked my accountant, I paid him more money to um do something for me that I was meant to do because I just couldn't. This was uh, one of the spreadsheets or something. Um I just was like, I just couldn't, I just wasn't able to think straight. So anyway, um, yeah, so I kept delaying the process then, but I finally went and I booked with a psychiatrist. So <laughs> started with a psychotherapist, a therapist, which I actually love talking to her. Went to the clinical psychologist, got the PTSD diagnosis, didn't enjoy the conversation. And then you, with the ADHD, with all the research I'd done, I was like, right, I need to talk to a psychiatrist. Um, which the idea of going to a psychiatrist years before, would have, I would have not been open to that. I had just really bad ideas about what that would mean. It's probably just stereotyped and yeah. like, you know, maybe some of the messaging we pick up in the media or TV shows, but yeah. you know, they are human beings at the end of the day too. Like they're medical yeah. doctors with like mental health training. So Yeah. You know. So I you know, this time I was like more ready for it. So I looked online and I looked for a psychiatrist and I found this doctor and here is barking in the background. Um, and he specialized in ADHD. So if anybody was going to know if I had ADHD or not, it was going to be a doctor, a psychiatrist that specializes in ADHD. So 
I had the consultation. I had I, I went. I had the appointment with him, and he diagnosed me, and he said, "Yes, you have ADHD," and that was in February. I got the got the diagnosis, and yeah, he prescribed me medication, but I actually haven't. Do you want to talk a bit about the process, just for anybody that hasn't? Or... Yeah, about getting diagnosed. Aye, so it's not like you went down and they like. Yeah. So I think years ago I would have had this weird concept about it, but with a psychiatrist and with any mental health professional, any, you know, it's, it's just, it's a human being that has specific skills that will help you. It's not, it doesn't need to be scary. Okay. Um, and he was very, I felt completely fine because I'd been through the process. I just knew that I was ready, you know, for this one. And before my appointment there was like four or five questionnaires I had to answer there was these um checklists like these what what do you call them it's like a probably like a criteria scale. that they needed to assess oh yeah like, scale different, yeah different things on and the clinical psych- psychologist had done that as well but this was ADHD focused um with psychiatrists and then so it's a psychiatrist I think the main thing to differentiate there for anybody that's thinking about maybe possibly exploring if there's a diagnosis i think you have to get either repaired by your gp refer by your gp or else go private to a psychiatrist that can diagnose yeah. that because a psychiatrist can give you a diagnosis but also can give you medication yeah is that it yeah. um so he did prescribe me but i haven't i just haven't i don't know i just haven't taken it and i've spoke to him about side effects and all these different things and what he prescribed me was something that does leave the system but i'm just I'm not against people taking medication or medic of obviously people need medication, but for me it's it's just like it's just a process, okay? So let's just see what happens. Um and then I'll explain what ADHD is. Cool. I feel like that would be good. Yeah. Um did I explain what PTSD is? Um No I, don't I didn't. Think so I think well you can give an explanation of it and if you want or what your what your yeah. kind of so, perception of it was post traumatic stress disorder but i don't see it as a disorder i see it as a reaction so with ptsd you react to daily situations and things as if the trauma as if you're reliving the trauma so somebody shouting in the street can for me, would give me a flat, like a vivid flashback image of something where I would hear the sounds and it would make my skin crawl and I would feel like I was reliving it in that moment and it would just cause me to feel really sick, really upset. That's one of the triggers. That's the way it would have happened. Um, and so it's a reaction. It's a nervous system reaction to a memory or to something that has happened or something that reminds you of something that has happened. So that's what PTSD is. And I mean, a very basic nutshell oh, and your, your in my experience with that. just to, um, with ADHD. Um, so ADHD is, and by the way, 50 to 75% of adult women with ADHD are undiagnosed until adulthood, which yeah. is very interesting. There's also a statistic that blew my mind is, how many women have to wait until they're like in their thirties before they get diagnosed yeah. with things because they're just overlooked? Just not, just it's not just aware not of it. Yeah. Um. So basically, my brain works different to the normal. Like normal is a weird word. It's not the right word, but neurotypical brain. Um. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental condition. So basically, my brain developed differently during key stages of development. Um, and so this differs to like mental illness, 
I suppose like you could say PTSD, um, which is more is, is the patterns of a person's ex, you know, experiencing a state of mind that is different to their daily norm, right? So when someone's like in a depression or feels depressed, it's different to how they would usually feel. Whereas they have something that's different to their normal self with ADHD and neurodevelopmental conditions, there is no normal state of mind to compare to because it is just what it is. Because right, well, even aspects of the structure of the brain are different. Yeah, the yeah. You know, like the prefrontal cortex, there's like differences in that between neuro neurotypical and neuro so on, neurodivergent. Divergent. Yeah. So like that's that's just something there's they, so I mean there's so much. It's so interesting when you go deep into it, but I'm just gonna kinda keep on the surface of it and you know, okay, so what people think ADHD is, they think it's constant fidgeting and easily distracted. Right? That's what the media would you know, oh there's a squirrel, oh so distracted. That's what the media would portray. ADHD as what ADHD actually is and this is stuff in my experience there's a lot more so from imagine your laptop is open in front of you and there's 20 tabs open and there's 30 folders in the home screen as well that is my brain 24 7 especially if I don't manage my ADHD like if I don't exercise or eat right so I guys my 100 days of running you can see now like it's so important that I exercise daily for ADHD, you can get into that later. Um, um, hyperactivity, you know, internal or external, you know, people just see it as this, oh, you're just hyper. There's just so much more than that. So what it actually is, executive dysfunction, like it can be as simple as leaving cupboard doors open in the kitchen, like presses are open, bottles, tops are off, um, forgetting that there's food in the oven, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So like, I will forget that there's food going off in the fridge because I can't see it. I just don't know that it's there. I don't know that I've bought that until unless I can see it in the fridge. It's like loops, segmental loops don't close. So like one of the things that I remember that I really, really couldn't understand pre-diagnosis was you would like lift ice out of the freezer to like put ice in your drink. And I'd be like, how the fuck do you walk away and leave a bag of ice sitting there and leave the freezer lying open? How the fuck did that happen? But like it makes complete sense. Or I would come into the kitchen, there would be three like three cupboard drawer, drawers open. Yeah. Or like I would open, open the fridge, and there'd be like a fork sitting yeah. there. Or I mean, okay, right, like, okay. Let's let's move on. There's a lot, right, there's a lot, guys? Right? There can there's be a, a lot. lot. Now we can laugh about it. But I can definitely before laugh about it was confusing. Well, it doesn't. I never ever find myself getting angry about it. I would laugh, but I would also get really kind of curious. You're as just they like go, you're just wild. How, like how does that happen? Like yeah. is the ice one. The ice, the ice would just melt. just fucking blow my mind. That but guys, like... now we have an ice machine in our freezer, like attached to our freezer, so now I can't oh, do that. I but I used to leave bags of ice. Okay, right, that's okay. There's a list here. I'm thinking there's a lot. So that's just one very basic thing. Um, what else? Hyperfocus, which is actually a superpower. So hyperfocus is like an intense... Like you're just fixated intensely on an activity for a long period of time, right? You block out the world around you. Um, and this is a superpower when it's used correctly. So for me in my network marketing business, this was a superpower for me in my first year because I just rocketed because I was <laughs> I was so hyper-focused. Like I can see that in hindsight, like that why that's, this worked really well for me. And ADHD people make great entrepreneurs. Um, I'll we'll talk about that after. But other things ADHD is no sense of time, like aware that the time is passing, but unable to do anything about it. Like I know that I need to be there at one o'clock and I know now that it is 20 to one, but I just am unable to even move. It's like, it's now that I'm aware of ADHD, I can manage it better because I can see it creeping up. But before I just couldn't understand it, like constantly late, 
deadlines are a problem. So like in university, deadlines, Nero is scratching himself. <laughs> Can you hear that? Uh, deadlines, leaving things the last minute, starting my assignment the day it was due like starting my assignment the day it was due and then I would have this adrenaline rush because I was racing against time which you know you'll hear for a lot of ADHD students and entrepreneurs who start the thing on the day that it's due um and this can you know this can get actually upsetting because you then know that you would reach your fullest potential or you would do better if that wasn't a problem right um, what other things are ADHD? Very much all or nothing, forgetting things and forgetting thoughts right away. Like, what was I just saying? That's the kind of something that would happen a lot. Key dates. Um, key dates. Um, birthdays. I just have no clue when it's someone's birthday. It has to be in my calendar or like back in the day when I used Facebook a lot, I would get the Facebook notification, but now someone's birthday would pass and I would know the next day. And then I would have intense guilt because I would feel so bad. Or the person would be like, oh, you just don't care. Like, you just don't care. And I remember having somebody in my family was like really annoyed at me before. And I was like, and I got really upset. I got so, this is before I knew you had the diagnosis. I got so upset because I was like, what is wrong with me? How can't I, how did I not know that? Like, how did I forget? Um, so it has, things have to be in my calendar. Um, and that's, I think like for somebody that doesn't have ADHD, that might be really, really difficult to maybe grasp, but you have to kind of keep in mind as well that how you, how you process and experience the world is wildly different to how I process and, and experience it. And I think yeah. once I can kind of grasp that concept, I can get become so much more empathetic and curious. And I think that that's worth kind of noting for people if you're kind of yeah. struggling to understand like these things from your Yeah, it just it sounds like it's, it just it's sounds... It's like, how could that be a thing? Yeah. But, you know, when do you, you mind if it? I explain a wee bit about it? Like, yeah. or will I do it I can do it, do it quickly because there's, there's so much more so like even just simple things like planning to do something and just doing it we take it for granted but you know for somebody that's neurodivergent that, that can be a whole thing yeah you know in a nutshell yeah it's it's so I could okay this is another thing I have an appointment I'm meeting um a few girls tomorrow at half three right yeah I have all morning and all day to do whatever else but I am so fixated on the fact that I have an appointment at half three and my part of my brain is like, yeah, yeah, but you can still go to the gym and you can still have lunch. And, you can, and I'm like, no, but I have an appointment at three. So I'm just going to sit here and wait until my appointment is three. Like it's, I remember the other day I met someone for lunch and I went to the gym and I like had the laundry done or well, got it picked up <laughs> and I did so, something else all on the same day. And I was so proud of myself, you know, like things like that. Um, okay. What else? Friendships as well. Okay. So this is the thing a lot of people talk about is that, you know, I, okay. I could go guys, years could pass. For me, and if I bumped into you or if we were friends, I would feel like, oh yeah, like nothing has changed. Like, you know, we, we just spoke last month, but to that person, the friendship could have fallen apart or degraded, degraded, that's the right word. Deteriorated. Deteriorated <laughs> because there's been no contact. But for me, I could, it's just so different. So if you're a friend of mine, you could message me after a couple of months and be like, hey, like, what's up? Like, let's meet up. And I'd be like, yeah, cool. Whereas to someone with a neurotypical brain, they might get really annoyed at, they're not being constant contact. Like it's so different. So that's something to be aware of as well. If you have a friend with ADHD, um, mood swings are massive. So like meltdowns for me, it's, I don't have, I don't feel like I, do I get angry? I get really upset. You might get frustrated with yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, I get really frustrated and upset because of these things that happen. And I feel like if I overextend myself, I have too much social contact. If I take on too many calls in the one day, I can just get really upset and frustrated. And this is, yeah. 
um, choice paralysis. <laughs> oh my God. Having so many ideas, such, so many inventions, ideas, business ideas, things to do. And then on the other side, sadness and anger, not being able to follow all the ideas at once. Uh, frustration at not being able to organize ideas into reality. So the crea- I have such a creative mind, but then I, I'm a, I cannot organize those things to make them in reality. Do you remember the time I woke you up and I was like, oh, I've got this great invention, invention that's going to help us women um, to help prevent rape. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? And I was so excited when I woke up you were like half asleep and you were like, Ugh. and then I got so annoyed later in the day because I was like, I don't know how to do it. Mm. And I had like four other ideas in the same day and I just felt so I burnt out with it. I think at that time too, you're, you were really, 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 really switched on, but it was like the intense aftermath of that where you were just yeah. kind of really burnt out. Um, yeah, just, and I mean, okay, forgetting to eat, sleep or pee, like go to the toilet. So like just putting it off for a long period of time. But then eating when bored, like comfort eating. So ADHD brain craves dopamine and that can come in the form of food. And that makes sense throughout my life. I've definitely gone through just, it's not even like if I comfort eating, for, comfort eating from being upset. It's just eating because of the dopamine. If, you know, but now that I'm aware of it, I can handle it differently. Perfectionism, learning disabilities. Um, I remember I questioned before if I was dyslexic. I never found out. I never went down that route, but... I remember, I remember thinking like there was just words. When I see words on paper, there's some words I can't, I, I struggle to say the word. That's okay. Yeah. And I used to get really angry at myself, but now I'm like, yeah, okay, well, that's, I just have to hear it and then I can say it. Yeah. Um, getting nothing done. So I, like you, okay, this is the way I am. I get absolutely nothing done or get 40 hours of work done in a five hour period on, on that day and that's no fucking joke and that is actually no joke that is like that's that's a massive thing for me overwhelmed in crowds or with lots of noise so sensory if there's too many noises happening at once i have to remove myself i cannot be there certain noises too you were saying can really kind of set you off too isn't it that doesn't necessarily have to be like really really loud there's can be certain if there's too many noises at the same time and they're low noises it's like i can't you know, I just can't... What did you call it, like, overstimulation? Or is it, like, sensory overload? Yeah, sensory overload. Yeah, before when I... It's like, don't touch me. Don't... Don't... I need to just be in silence. Mm. That kind of thing. That doesn't happen too often. If I burn myself out and I don't listen to myself, that can happen to me. Okay, what else? You know, wanting to disappear from the world. It's very morbid. But that that happens if I don't look after myself. Um, Difficulty waiting turn like so needing to say something or needing to jump in impulsivity. impulsivity yeah um and like the thing is like I've been really good at masking all of this my entire life without even knowing I was masking it so like you know guys like under the the last minute cancellations or the shyness or the social anxiety or the quirkiness can be a lot of you know you know feeling misunderstood being really critical of self so that. For me, like I, I was definitely very critical of myself, and I felt very misunderstood, um, in the past. Chronic overwhelm, which is why self care and working for myself is so important because I need to choose my time. Like I, this is why this is why I had multiple like twenty five jobs or something from the age of sixteen to twenty five because I just kept leaving jobs and I just was not suited to that way of life and. I finally got into working for myself and it's such a blessing to me because I would not be okay if I was in the nine to five life. Like I would 
I just would, I know I mentally I wouldn't be okay. So chronic overwhelm, which is, yeah. So you, so many entrepreneurs have ADHD or sorry. So many people with ADHD make, you know, are entrepreneurs make great entrepreneurs. Um, so now that I have awareness, I'm not so hard on myself for everything. Like when I'm late or have a last minute deadline, I'm not like, Oh my God, why am I like this? Why am I so last minute? I give, I've got more compassion for myself. So I don't need the, the attached guilt. I'm just like, okay, ADHD is kicking in here just get through it, just get through it, I don't need to be upset about the fact that I'm leaving it so late, okay, some positives, let's, let's talk about some ADHD positives, right, um, the main things, creative, so fucking creative, incredible drive, Mm -hmm. very inventive, inventive, inventions, ideas, endless ideas, relentlessly authentic, you know, problem solving skills, like ADHD people are such problem solvers, you know, thinking outside the box is huge, thinking outside the box, so these are, ADHD people are incredible assets to any company, if in the right rule, you do not put an ADHD person at a desk doing admin work, you do not do that, like you, you that's just not going to work, it's just not going to happen, outside of the box thinker, multi-passionate will, you know, have multiple things going on, have multiple passions. And for me, it's like when someone, you know, I have just multiple things I'm doing. There's multiple things I want to do. And that's, that's such a superpower. And I'm actually really proud of that. And in the past, I thought I had to, you know, niche it down and choose the one thing and, you know, be this. No, I get to fucking do it all. Like, you know, and it's just, the thing is managing it, like knowing what helps you perform your best and looking after yourself so you're not overloading yourself with too many different things because then you're going to bring yourself out and have all the things I spoke about earlier are going to be more intense. Um, so I see ADHD as a superpower in that way because like, oh my God, in this world and you know now with my work as well, people pay me for my creative brain. Like people come to me and want help with their social media or with their Which business. It's amazing by the way. Because yeah. you are mega, mega creative. Thanks, Babs. But very, very talented. And you know, just on that, like just to further validate what you're saying, I feel very fortunate they also work with some ADHD people and like a lot of what you're describing I see across the board, like Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not so this is the thing as well, now that you're aware of ADHD and I am aware of it, I feel like we can like I can I know when someone else has ADHD, they may not be aware of it or not, but I can spot it now. It makes so much sense, you know? And some famous people who have ADHD, right? So Emma Watson, Serena Williams, Erin Brockovich. Do I say her surname right? Watch sure that film right. if you haven't watched her film, by the way. It's so good, that film, Erin Brockovich. Um, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, uh, Jamie Oliver, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling. Never knew that. Yeah. And there's loads more. Them, actually. Yeah, there's loads more. Will Smith, actually, as well. Does Will it? Smith, yeah. So it's Kanye West of ADHD. I think he's bipolar, from what I remember. So, like, there's just so many. Once you actually explore this and learn about it and go into it, it's, you, you get to, it's very different to my PTSD diagnosis. This feels very different. And it is very different because it's how my brain works. It's not an illness. It's just how my brain's different. Um, and I see it as a superpower. So if you do have ADHD or if you think you have ADHD and you feel a bit of shame around it or you feel weird about it or you're unsure, there is, you know, you need to know that there's nothing wrong with you. And, you know, sometimes it is really just difficult to exist in a system that was not designed to support someone like you. So, well 
that's you know when I think back to my school life and the typical nine to five world like it's that's not designed to support someone with ADHD that's just not it's really hard to thrive like sitting at a desk all day and then also having social anxiety where you're afraid to get up and go to the bathroom or to move around because you're afraid of people looking at you you know well, well also on that like that's why some of the the top athletes you know that are able to channel all that ability on these sports as well have also excelled yeah you know because they're able to understand things in a different way and you know yeah put that that gift on the action and i feel like maybe i could do another podcast another time about how i manage adhd <clears throat> i've been speaking for too long my voice is going but one massive thing guys if if you do have adhd please exercise every single day now I used to be a fitness professional, I used to be a personal trainer, so I was very much in the mindset of, you know, work out hard four times a week and then take rest days to recover, which, you know, is true, like you need to recover, but that doesn't work for someone with ADHD, so what I've learned is that you need to be moving this energy through your body daily, you know, and it doesn't, that's why my 100 days of running challenge works really well for me, because it helps that, if I don't do it, I am not okay. It doesn't have to be a marathon every day. It can literally be, you know, 15 minutes of something, right? For me, yoga, Pilates wasn't itching that scratch for ADHD. It was, I needed, you need, you know, faster movement. And the way I used to see it was this. Imagine like your shoelace, you know, the edge, you remember me telling you about this, you know, a frayed shoelace, the frayed edge, where it's all coming apart. When I run, I would imagine in the beginning, I used to do this here, I'd imagine that those frayed edges coming together and bringing the, the shoelace back together and it would like make this ding noise in my head. And it was like, ding, it's done. Like the, you've done what you needed to do for your, I don't know, whatever was inside of me for them all to come back together. The, I don't know, the nerves or something. I don't know what I was seeing in my head, but I had this visual of what it was doing. And that really helped me. And so now I make the, I, I exercise every single day. And some days it's, you know, 15 minute run. And some days it is, you know, like today I did that intense workout class. Yeah. Um, but walking is not it. It's more aerobic. It's like, it yeah. has to be like, you want to get your cardio. Cardio. System. Yeah. You have to be kind of sweaty and out of breath. It's something to do with adrenaline, getting the adrenaline flowing through the body and, you know, the different hormones in the body moving helps with like how you regulate yourself and, you know, your focus and that. Yeah, and it's it's just different to, you know, yoga, Pilates. It's a different... So, guys, get moving your body and get sweating. I'm so passionate about that now. And your brain works differently with exercise. So I bought that book, Your Brain... I think it's called Your Brain is Different in Exercise. I didn't finish it yet. Oh, wow. Hi, right, we're talking about ADHD. Starting, <laughs> Ironic. Starting things and not finishing things. Yes, starting things not Did you mention that earlier? No, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm reading multiple books at the same time. And But, you know, when you understand yourself better, you can just... It doesn't, you don't have to be angry about it anymore. I don't need to be angry that I didn't finish that book. You know, I could just be like, oh, I didn't finish the book. You know, I may finish it later. I may not. Um, it's just more serious when it comes to things like university deadlines and obviously your work if you have a job as well. I'm very lucky with my work that it's so, so flexible. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what I'd, I don't know what I'd do if, if I didn't have this, like this line of work. Like if I was, I had to be in a nine to five. It's scary you to think about. I still think like, you know, what I know of you entrepreneurially, 
that's where you would shine you know the creative element of who you are and yeah you know that kind of result i would be and i would be doing something with the that side of the company where i can work on ideas and bring and like with law as well doing my law degree like i don't want to like as a barrister like you you choose like you know you're you're not most barristers are self-employed it's not where you you're in an office for 60 hours a week um so and i'm doing that on the side as like an extra thing to help me do things I want to do in the future. I'm not doing it for the salary or whatever, because I don't need to, to worry about that. But if I, if you are in a job like that now and you're, you're just in that job for, for the salary for, and you feel really restricted, then I definitely advise you to look, go and talk to other people, ADHD entrepreneurs. It doesn't have to be me, it can be anyone else. And just open your, your mind's open already. You are an out of the box thinker. You just need to allow it to be there and stop trying to fit yourself in a box where you don't belong. Um, okay, this was a very long podcast. So do you have any anything to add on or anything to ask me before we go? Not at all. No, I've learned so much from me. And like, I'm so proud of you for sharing that. Thanks, babes. Honestly. I feel really good now. I feel like it'll help somebody. I feel like it'll give somebody a prompt to maybe explore it and yeah. find the courage to maybe go and see if it's, if it's true for them, if they... Yeah. Resonate with it. Well, like, I first discovered ADHD on online, on Which Instagram. Is one of the amazing things of social media. That's yeah. that, that prompt. You yeah. Know. And so if someone's feeling called to share something like that, and then I found that because someone else, you know, I don't even know what it was I saw, but I was like, God, I think maybe it was a funny reel. And I was like, wait, this this isn't funny. This is my life. <laughs> this is so real. Um, and then I went to the podcast and listened, and then I did the research online. So, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out to a psychiatrist, you know, clinical psychologist, psychotherapist, whatever. Obviously, a psychiatrist is if you're wanting the medication and the diagnosis, but the, the therapist, I think the way I did it was perfect for me. And your I got journey, what I needed. Yeah, your journey unfolded the way it needed to unfold. And yeah. Like... And healing is ongoing with anything in life, you know. When life, you know, if life challenges come up, obviously you have to manage those things differently and you have to be careful. And I just think it's really important for people to, for me, and you don't need me to tell you this, but to, when you have things like that going on in your body and in your mind, and then a life challenge comes up or a life stress comes up, it's knowing that it's okay that you may have to navigate it differently than someone else. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean anything about you. It just means that it just is what it is. And your well-being and your safety and your happiness is important. And what you need to do for you is what you need to do for you. And you don't owe an explanation to anyone else. And that is the end. And I'm done. So, okay, honestly, if you have anything you want to share with me or you know any questions you want to ask me, I encourage you, you, you can message me about this because this is something that I'm really passionate about on Instagram by Lisa D, B-Y, Lisa, D-E-E <laughs> is where you can get me there. And I would love to know if you have ADHD because I love connecting with people who have ADHD because it's just great. We just, the conversations are different. It's, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's so good. So thank you so much for tuning in guys. And we'll see you next week for episode three. Three. See you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.